1: hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas, about to pick up uh, a friend that we go to church with, an an elderly gentleman. His wife has a lot of health conditions, and she is pretty much confined to her home, and he just found out that he has a mass in his bladder, and he's having a biopsy today. He asked me to pick him up because he really doesn't have anybody who can care for him. He's on dialysis three times a week, and so we have to really uh, take care of him and And watch out for his mental health. A lot of times when we see older people and we look at their cantankerous ways, if you will, we kind of think negatively sometimes about them. But much like anyone else, we don't know what they went through to get where they're at today. You may have had a bad day or you may be having an experience that is just beyond anything that you could dream or imagine. So I want to challenge you, especially as we are coming up into this Thanksgiving Christmas season, I want to challenge you to find someone in your life who may be older, maybe they're widowed, maybe they live alone, and befriend them. Get to know them. Get to know what their wants, their desires, who they really are as a person, and learn to be their friend. Learn to help them in ways that they really truly need. And I know that at the end of the day, you will get as much enjoyment out of that friendship as they do. Hey everybody, Doc Bryan here, and welcome to Donk Talks, where we talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs in life. Today, I have with me Keo, and I ran across her TikTok, and she has quite a unique story to tell. And so I invited her to come on the show, Keo. It's good to see you with us today.
0: Hello, everybody.
1: So, uh, Keo, as I said, I, I run across your TikTok, and it, it seemed that you were living with your grandmother. Is that correct? Yes. And your grandmother was, uh, fr- from looking at the videos, quite abusive.
0: Very, yeah. I... She wasn't always like this. It was. There's quite a story to this. It's not. It wasn't just always like that.
1: Okay. So do you want to give us a little backstory about how you came to live with your grandmother and the the purpose there?
0: Yeah. So basically what had happened was I had lived with my adoptive mother my entire life. It was only her and I would see my adoptive dad on weekends. So it was like, you know, a normal divorced kind of kind of family. They both moved around a lot. My dad was in the military. My mom was working Thomas Petroleum Gas Company. We had just moved back to Cali to live with my grandma and my uncle. And we lived with them for six, five years. During that time, everything was fine. It was a normal family. You know, I didn't know I was adopted, by the way. So this was all like news to me. And uh, what happened was my mother had fallen ill with cancer. When she uh, got ill, she it took two weeks and she had passed away. When she had passed away, I naturally, I went to live with my adoptive dad. But that didn't work. <laughs> what happened was my adoptive dad was not very, he wasn't very nice. Like, he was Disneyland dad. He didn't know, he knew how to handle, like, little me on summer's. He didn't, you you know, he didn't raise me. So he was, you know, he only got to see me short periods of time. And he was used to a little princess kind of little girl, you know, running around being goofy. He didn't really know how to handle teenager. (laughs) So um, me and him butt heads. And uh, it ended up being where there was alcohol and punching doors. And I got scared when he would, like, grab my arms and yell in my face. And it got scary. So I had been telling my grandma like stuff that has been happening. She was like, okay, you need to come back. Like I'll take care of you. Like come back. And I was like, okay. So I made my way back there and she had a custody in court thing. And uh she gained custody of me. And after a short while things were okay. I had started going back to school. I was with my friends. I was having a good time. Whew, sorry I'm a little shaky. I'm not <laughs>
1: This is it's a okay.
0: new podcast thing. It's making me nervous.
1: <laughs> it's fine.
0: But anyway, <laughs> she started being re- really weird. And I was like, okay, this isn't normal. And she'd start treating me like I was five. And it was really weird. And I was 17 at this time. After she started acting weird, I was like, okay, this is not okay. Because like simple things like I would be changing in my room and she would not let me close my door even though I did not smoke, drink, do anything bad, I was a good I was a good kid. So it was odd to me why she wouldn't let me close my door. And I had reported it to the school that I was going to, and no one believed me. I had gone to the school officer and she said she didn't believe me. They didn't do anything. They made a few CPS reports but no one got to me. So I was like, okay, that's really weird. So then it got worse. She started not letting me eat food when I was hungry. I have all of this on video, as you can see from my TikToks. She would like yell at me for the dumbest reason. She wouldn't let me go to school for no reason. And then after a while, when no one started believing me, I was I started recording. So I would have evidence and proof. And I went to the cop to show her the evidence in the videos. And she told me I was doing it for attention. So then I was like, my first thought was, "Hmm, if she's not going to believe me, I've got to post it. Because if she wouldn't believe me, I can catch somebody's attention. So I posted it on TikTok. And to my surprise, over 12 million people had like, saw it. And I was like, geez. So I kept posting and posting until someone would notice. And eventually, someone did notice. I had a CPS. I had two of them come to the house and ask for me. Both times. I call my grandma Karen. Both times, Karen had shooed them away. She wouldn't let them talk to me, which was, and they didn't come back after she shooed them away. So after that, I ended up running away for a good year. And because of that, I couldn't go to school. I had missed my own graduation because I wasn't able to graduate. I ended up couch hopping between my friends' houses. And I had a lot of friends, so I had a lot of backup and support. And my friends were the only ones taking care of me and understanding. And they actually believed me because they know me. (laughs) They know I wouldn't lie about this. And I had evidence. I had proof. I had videos. So after like a year of being on the streets and being like house to house, I had slept on the roof of my school a few times. It was not that bad, actually. It was kind of fun to, you know, adventure. But after that, uh, she started reporting me as a missing persons in my own town. And I was ended up being missing and a runaway. So the times that I did try to go back to school while being a runaway, I couldn't go to school because the cops were after me and they've arrested me about three times because they caught me. But they weren't very smart because all they did was just put me back in the house with her. No one would listen to me. And then I've had the cops say that you need to eat, like, be easy on her. And I was like, are you kidding me? There was so much going on.
1: So I can only assume this was small town America where this was taking place.
0: This was in Red Bluff, California.
1: So a small community.
0: Yes. It's a small town.
1: Okay. Yeah. So backing up here, it was your adoptive mother that passed away from cancer. Yes. And then you went to live with your adoptive father who uh, was not, not very good at handling kids outside of entertaining them for a while.
0: Yeah. Well, he was used to toddlers.
1: Gotcha. And, and so that became a very uh, abusive place. Was there ever a time where you felt like your life was in danger while you were with your adoptive father?
0: Well, not my life, but my physical well-being.
1: Sure. Can, can you tell us about a time that you remember where you were very scared with your adoptive father.
0: There was a time where I would be sleeping in my room and I had school the next day. And I remember one time feeling very scared that he had walked into my room at four in the morning and woke me up and asked me what I was doing. And I was like, well, I was sleeping and he was drunk. He had just come back from the bar. And uh, I remember there was times where he would touch my behind and I would ask him to stop and he would not stop. So there was was a lot of going on and there's holes in my door (laughs) Mm -hmm. because he was very angry.
1: Was the abuse typical only when he was intoxicated or did it happen while he was sober as well?
0: Most of it happened when he was intoxicated, but some of it did happen because he would verbally abuse me. Like he would call me stupid and retarded to my face. It was very toxic.
1: And and how long did you live with him before you went to your grandmother? Six months. Six months. St- did the abuse happen immediately after moving with him?
0: I would say, yeah.
1: So your adoptive parents then, I guess, were separated?
0: Yes, they've been separated ever since I was three.
1: All right. And so the grandmother that you went to live with, is she your biological grandmother or the adoptive... Families.
0: Everyone that I knew, everyone that I grew up with, was adoptive. Okay. I did not have any connections to any of my real relatives. I was adopted okay. out at birth.
1: So the the grandmother is the mother of your father or your mother.
0: The mother of my mother.
1: Okay. So what kind of relationship did you have with her while you were with your parents growing up?
0: With Karen, my grandma.
1: Yes. Uh huh.
0: It was normal. You know, grandma relationship, she was, you know, we'd visit every once in a while. she you know, pinch your cheeks, give you cereal for breakfast, you know, make some cookies. She'd always, you know, goof around with you a little bit. It was normal.
1: So did you ever notice anything different until you moved in with her or was it partially what we would consider a normal lifestyle up until you moved in with her?
0: Throughout my entire child, she was normal, but when we started moving in with her and we lived with her, there were many times where my mother would have to tell her to back off because I was doing something that was normal for someone my age, like, you know, shutting the door when I was changing, for example, and my mom would be like, leave her alone, she's fine, she's changing, leave her, leave her be, and my mom would always get on her about it, something. Other than that, she was, you know, she was normal. We always thought she was just, you know, one of those weird grandmas.
1: A little eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then moving from your adoptive dads, you moved to your adoptive maternal grandmother. Yes. Did did the problems start when you moved or were, was there a period of time where things were semi-normal?
0: There was a small amount of time where like at the beginning, it was normal, like everything seemed fine until I started, you know, getting comfortable and back into home because I had moved back into the home that all of us lived in. So I was like, you know, I was kind of just getting back into it. And then I guess when I started being normal again and moving on, you know, she was overboarding everything. (laughs) And at first I was like, well, maybe she's just, you know, worried because her, her daughter just passed away. Maybe she's just, you know, kind of, she's a little worried that something might happen to me, so she wants to, like, keep an eye on me, make sure the door's not shut. That was not the case. (laughs) She started blaming me for my mom's death, because while we were at the hospital and she was in her bed, my aunt, my mom's best friend, I call her my aunt, and my grandma do not get along. My grandma doesn't like any of my mom's friends. She's one of those. (laughs) She wanted... My grandma, she wanted to move my mom from her hospital bed to back to the house so she could die in the house. But she was too sick to be moved. So me and my aunt and everyone else other than my grandma like told the nurse do not move her. And in one of my videos, she was screaming, that was your mother and you'll never see again, but you allowed that woman, she was talking about my aunt, my mom's best friend. And uh she was implying that I, I let her slip away. And because of what we did, I will never see her again.
1: So in that moment, how did that resonate with you that you were being blamed for this?
0: As soon as she said that, I was thinking and I asked her after the video. It wasn't caught, but I really wish it was caught on video. I asked her, why are you bringing this up? And she was like, because you allowed it to happen. I was only a 17-year-old child. I didn't have a say on what happened to my mother, but I backed up my aunt to not move her. So she was implying that I allowed it. So she's blaming me. And I was like, it's not really my fault. I just went with my opinion that everyone else happened to have that we should not move her.
1: And so, uh, I mean, through some of your videos, you see your grandmother call you stupid call you ignorant, tell you that you have no values, all of that kind of thing. Were, do you have any idea where any of that came from?
0: No. I mean, I was a normal high school kid trying to just get back to life, and she was having so many arguments. She It was like she wanted to argue with me every day. My, you can ask any of my friends. I'm not an argumentative person. I'm a chill person. I don't like drama. I don't like conflict. But for some reason, I'm always in it with her. <laughs> and that tells me something. So I'm like, OK.
1: Yeah. Do you think that maybe she was projecting the anger of the loss of her daughter onto you?
0: I was thinking about that at one point. But then the thing is, is it was really weird how she would do things because she would argue with me and then she would like, you know, act like it never happened. She'll be arguing with me. But then the next minute she's like, so how's your day? something like that. And I'm just like, you just dropped it. Like it ended up, like didn't happen. And then she would ignore me. So it was really weird to me. Like, what, what is she doing? So then everyone started asking, like, did she have dementia and all these questions like that, but the, she, does it. <laughs> she doesn't, she <laughs> doesn't. I went to the doctor with her to get tested twice and she didn't have it.
1: Was there any mental health history such as bipolar or Borderline personality disorder or schizophrenia schizoaffective
0: no she was normal she was healthy all the time she'd be in the backyard just doing the garden and everything
1: and so uh, was the abuse there was it just verbal or was there a physical abuse as well
0: mm, I want to say there was one time that I can actually think of that she physically touched me okay so at the time I had a little bit of a gender identity crisis going on like I didn't know what I was you know, I'm fluctuating between genders. And I was trans at the time. That's one of the videos you can see. I had like very short hair. She had taken me to get my haircut by one of my aunts who offered to get me a free haircut. And she knew I was getting a haircut. And she took me, she drove me to the haircut, the salon, and she left to go do an errand. And then she was going to come back. I had cut all of my hair the way I liked it. And I had gotten so many compliments by the like the person who cut my hair and some people in the shop they're like, "Oh my god, it's so cute." She walked in, looked at me and told me I looked disgusting and slapped me across the face in front of the lady and told me to get in the car. In the car, she had tried to smack me but I blocked her before she could smack me again. Other than that, she hasn't like she hasn't touched me.
1: D- did she know that you were going there or that you were going through this uh identity yes um, i tried
0: telling her and she was just not agreeable she was just like nope 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 you are a girl that's what you are and i was just like that's your opinion you don't have to like it Mm -hmm. but i'm 17 i should be able to pick out what kind of clothes i want to wear it's not your choice to pick what i wear it's mine i'm not hurting anyone to wear boys jeans you know
1: right I think a lot of times in those situations, parents and guardians feel like if if we can control what they wear, it'll make them realize that they're not that identity or that gender. Especially with older people, it seems like that that's more of the not so much control, but it's that they're trying to convince you that you're that you're not a certain way. You said at that point you were trans. Uh, are you still? gender fluid or or I am gender fluid yes okay so so you have come to terms with with that identity
0: yes because throughout um, basically my whole life I've there's been a few times where I would want my hair short I would want to wear you know the same clothes that boys would wear like I would really like their shorts or their shoes look really cool or I just I like their style I want to be like that person I want to look like that person because they that style intrigues me so I would wear it. And then I would just love wearing the outfit because I thought I looked very masculine and I loved looking at it. But then there was times where I was feminine. Like right now I'm <laughs> growing my hair out again. Yeah, I fluctuate throughout my whole life. I was just kind of like both. Sometimes I'd be like that. Sometimes I'd be like this. So I've just come to the conclusion I am just fluid. <laughs> and,
1: and and so at, at some point in time, you said that you ran away. Yes. Thank you said couch hopping uh, when I was in college, we called it couch surfing, but
0: couch surfing, uh, yeah,
1: that was a long time ago so when you when you left your grandmother's, where did you go?
0: Well, I went to my best friend Noah's house, Noah Kane, and he helped me a lot. I stayed at his house for a good altogether. I stayed a good month at his house, maybe more. Other than that, I had a friend named Alex that helped me, took me in. Her grandparents helped me a lot. They took me in as their own family, even. My friend Cheyenne. I had my friend Ruby. Ruby Cervantes. She helped me a lot. She, I stayed with her a good two weeks. She helped give me clothes, fed me. My best friend, Jessie. Jessie Woods. She's always been there for me. She was there when my mom died. And I... She's probably the one I love the most because like, well, she's my best friend. (laughs) She always has been throughout high school, but I love all my friends. And to me, all my friends are my family. Sure. And I really just, I don't know how to thank them enough.
1: Yeah. So did any of these places that you stay, did they question the reason why that you left or question whether or not your claims were legitimate?
0: They all didn't question anything. Because all of my friends have told their parents about it. They showed the videos off of my TikTok, and immediately they all just helped me mm-hmm. without, like, batting an eye.
1: Yeah. Did Did any of the friends' parents feel like they needed to call the police or report to CPS?
0: Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> there was a few times. There was one time where um, I was at my friend Cheyenne's, and my grandma had come to her house. and my friend Cheyenne had called the cop on her because they didn't want me being taken away by her again. I think the, the one that suffered the most with that kind of issue was my friend Noah because my grandma, she knew where Noah lives and she knew I was best friends with him. And I would I was staying there a lot. So she had actually gone to Noah's house and harassed them for months about me, even though I wouldn't be at the house anymore. They had called the cops and even gotten a restriction order against her that she couldn't go near the house. But no matter how many times she harassed them, they would not tell them where I was or anything.
1: So did she continue to, to go there and break that order?
0: Yeah, a few times.
1: And why was she not arrested for breaking that order?
0: I think there was one time where they called the cops on her or they threatened to call the cops if she wouldn't leave.
1: Hmm. But during this time, it's very traumatic for you to see all of this play out.
0: I was feeling more, it was kind of my fault that they had to do with the stress of her going over there because of me. They didn't seem to care. Noah is like a brother to me, and his mom is literally like a mom to me. She's protected me so many times. (laughs) Taking care of me
1: really kind of was the first time that you ever really felt what parents and friends and siblings were supposed to feel like.
0: Yeah, actually, I grew up an only child. I when my mom passed away, Noah and Jesse were the ones that were always there for me. They were who I consider my real family because um, they were like siblings to me. They were like I call Noah my brother. (laughs) He's my brother. So is Jessie. She's my sister. Like, we take care of each other.
1: And so how did it feel when you had to leave those places and and leave your family behind?
0: Well, I didn't exactly leave them behind. I stayed in the same town for the most part. I I had a lot of hiding places. (laughs) I never really left until just, we'll get to that part, but I never left.
1: Okay. Okay. So you said you were you were arrested a couple of times and then taken back to your grandmother's. And it's just dumbfounding to me that with this restraining order and with these claims of of abuse that you've made to the to the school and to these other parents, that they allowed you to go back to her house and that you were taken there.
0: Because I was still a minor and she was still my custodian. So I couldn't say anything, and they kept telling me, you only have this certain amount of time before you turn 18, and when you turn 18, you can leave. Till then, you have to stay put, you have to listen. (laughs) I would listen, but I'm not going to give in to her being abusive to me. So if no one's going to listen, I'm going to take it to my own hands, and I'm going to leave. And that's exactly what I did.
1: Yeah. And and while those are great thoughts that, well, there's only, you know, eight, nine months until you turn 18 and you can do whatever you want to. Well, those are great thoughts. That's not how the law works to protect minors.
0: Yeah. The thing is, is if you had visited Red Bluff, you would understand. (laughs) Anyone in Red Bluff can tell you the system sucks, especially in California and especially in Red Bluff. In the middle of a pandemic.
1: (laughs) Which is so unfortunate for for people like you that, that are stuck in those situations and there's nowhere to go. So what happened the day that you decided you're gone for good?
0: Well, we, my grandmother had gotten in another argument with me. And out of nowhere, she had told me I was adopted. And at first I didn't believe her.
1: Okay, so wait a second. So up to this point, you did not know you were adopted? No. Okay. All right. The
0: last time I ran away and I never came back was um, the day she told me I was adopted. And at first, I didn't believe her. So she told me to call my adoptive dad. And immediately that's what I did. And I was like, is this true? And he said, yes. And then she had ended up pulling out all of these pictures of my real mother pregnant with me. And then at that time, I was like, you know, I've never seen an actual picture of my, who I thought to be my real mom, pregnant with me. After that, she had told me that I had brothers, like a lot of other siblings that I didn't know. And she had told me, she started telling me lies about my, my birth mom. Her name is uh, Krista, by the way. <laughs> she started telling me about Krista and that she had supposedly died two years ago. And for some reason, I felt really off about how she was telling me these things. And I was like, at first, I didn't believe her when she told me I was adopted. My dad didn't know anything about my birth mom. He didn't know anything about her. He wasn't there when I was born. So he couldn't tell me anything. He didn't know anything. They couldn't tell me her name when I would ask questions. They couldn't tell me anything because they didn't know. But in the same time, I was like, I had a gut feeling that she was lying to me saying that she was dead. I don't know what it was. I just knew she was lying. So I started looking through the pictures. And I started trying to find her.
1: So, but at that point, what benefit would it be to your grandmother to tell you that you're adopted and that your biological mom was dead?
0: I don't know. That, <laughs> I don't know. It came out of nowhere. We were having an issue about keeping my door open again. And out of nowhere, she just, you're adopted. I've had people tell me it's just, she did that out of hate to hurt me. And, you know, I believe them because, I mean, I don't know what else, what other reason there could have been, like what could she have gained other than to like really get me.
1: And so you said at the beginning when she said that you didn't believe her that you were adopted.
0: I did not believe her. But when my dad told me, then I was like, oh, okay."
1: And when you really got that story corroborated with your father in that moment, what was going through your mind?
0: I in my mind, I was thinking, oh, my God, (laughs) how did I not know? (laughs) Like she told me that my mom wanted to tell me when I turned 18, but she was not here to tell me because she had died.
1: Well, I, my wife and I have a son that we adopted, our only child, and he's six years old, and he knows that he's adopted. I mean, thats I don't think that's something that you should keep from a child. Uh, everybody has their own opinion. But in your circumstance of where you have been abused, not only by your adopted father, but now your adopted mother's mother, it would almost seem like it would have to be somewhat of a relief.
0: It yeah. It, it, we it was a little bit of a shock to me, but it didn't hurt me. It never it never hurt me. It just kind of threw me off.
1: So the day when that happened and you left, what what happened the day that you left? What where did you go from there once that story was confirmed by your dad?
0: Well, the first thing I started doing was looking through the pictures to see if I could find a name, my, any of my brothers who my real dad was anything and for a long time i couldn't find out who i couldn't find any names before i had left i realized there was one picture that i didn't check and it was the gram of me in my mom's stomach on the corner of the picture of the um what you call it
1: the ultrasound
0: ultrasound yes thank you i'm sorry the ultrasound had my mom's patient name on it and i was just like I found a name. It's my mom. And Krista (laughs) popped up, and I was like, oh my gosh, Facebook. I got to go to Facebook. And I started looking for the same woman I see in the pictures. And I had found her. So I messaged her, and she was alive. (laughs) She was very well alive. And that's where I was like, you know what? She lied. (laughs) There's probably more she's keeping from me. And when I tried saying, I'm looking for my mom. I'm gonna find her. She's like, You're not gonna find her. And she kept telling me, You're not going to find your mother. And then she tried putting a sob story like, She's dead, and the rest of the family's probably like really hurt. And you're probably gonna like make it worse than it already is by bringing it up again. And I'm just like, In my mind, why is she telling me this? Wouldn't my biological family be happy? To meet me.
1: Yeah, it it almost sounds like she was giving you enough of the truth to make you feel bad about wanting to leave.
0: Yeah, but I never felt bad for leaving because I knew I was protecting myself. At this point, I had no remorse for that woman.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm proud that you had the courage to leave. I'm sure that was a difficult thing to do to just say, "Okay, I've had enough and I'm going to leave leave here. While at the same time was a big relief that you did uh, follow through. So you found your biological mother on Facebook. You found out she was alive. What happened next?
0: She did not respond to me for a good two weeks. But I remember being at my friend Alex's house. I was staying the night and we were all having a big sleepover. It was a weekend and we had a good our friend group was at her house i remember getting a text messages um, a text message and i looked at my phone and it was her she had messaged me back and i remember looking at my friend alex and being like oh my god she texted back and they were they all like calmed down and like oh shit like she gave me her phone number, so the first thing I did was called. I called her, and this was a good—it was at one in the morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. She picked up the phone, and I heard her voice for the first time, and I remember bawling like a baby in front of all of my friends. She wanted to meet me. She uh, She didn't know anything that happened. She didn't know my adoptive mom died or anything. So the next day— It was really weird because she had been in the next town over this entire time. It was easy to meet up. And uh, my friend Alex's dad took us all to go meet her. And there was a video of that. Meeting her, she looked just like me. (laughs) You could tell she was definitely my mom. (laughs) It was really weird to see her. It was like, I was looking at myself, but like, when I'm older, (laughs) don't tell her I said that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: So what I can't even begin to imagine what kind of emotional response you had to when you initially heard her voice. But then when you saw her in person, was it one of those things where you were happy to see her, but you had a whole lot of questions about why? Or was it that I don't care? I'm just glad you're here now.
0: It was a lot of mixed things going on in my mind. I don't even know exactly what was going through it, but I did know that I was happy to see her and meet her. I was really anxious. I, I didn't really have much of a reaction. I just know I couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> I was like, this is really weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. So now you've moved in with your mother or what is your living situation now?
0: So my living situation right now, I am not with my mom and I she has not um, texted me for a long while for a short time when i after i met her she was there and she would like you know be my mom she ended up being homeless but she had a car so she lived in her car for the time that i was with her she took care of me pretty like like a mom i was trying to find out everything about her like i definitely got my creative side from her because she loves painting she loves doing art and stuff she always had her trunk full of art supplies (laughs) Another lie that my grandma had actually ended up telling me was just, no one knew who my biological dad was. And after the video had shut off from me meeting her, the first thing my mom had told me was, oh, my God, I got to tell your dad about this. And <laughs> I looked at her and I was like, you know who my dad is? Like my, I lit up. I was like, oh, my gosh, both of my parents. I, I didn't hmm. expect it. I was told that she didn't know who my dad was. But I don't know why I believed that. (laughs) But my living situation, I didn't end up moving with her. I ended up going to see my dad the same day. And immediately after, she had taken me to go see him, who was in the next town over. And I, at that time, I'm still hopping around, I guess you can say. But right now, my living situation is I'm back at my adoptive dad's
1: house. How did you end up back with your adoptive dad?
0: So what happened was when I met my biological dad, he was living in a one-bedroom apartment. And to my surprise, I got to meet a brother. (laughs) I got to meet my little brother, Connor. They lived in a one-bedroom apartment. It was, there's three of us. It's chaotic. (laughs) My dad was sleeping on the couch and my brother had the room. But I've never seen a man so protective and so caring for his little boy than I have for my dad. Everything my dad did for my little brother, Connor, you wouldn't believe it. (laughs) I've never seen it's like a movie scene. He did everything for him. And I've never seen such a fatherly figure, basically, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Sure. So you now have not spoken to your biological mother for a period of time?
0: No. After a while, they got in a fight. She skirted off. I have texted her every day for six months and she never responds to me. So I'm not sure what's going on. But after a small time when she left, my dad had told me that she does a lot of drugs. So she's on the streets a lot and she's using.
1: And how do you feel about that? Like, do you kind of feel like you lo- you found somebody but then immediately lost them?
0: Yeah, I do. When it comes to people, if they come into my life and they see that, like, they they seem like they're worthy to be someone for me to care about, I will care about them. But the moment that I see that they are either a threat or toxic to me or anyone around us, I drop them. But for her, I couldn't do it. I still text her to this day, hoping she'll respond to me. Because she does, she looks at my messages. I see it on Messenger, and her little profile drops. I'm hoping that one day I can actually just help her.
1: So, So what is your plan from here?
0: My plan from here is get myself somewhere first. And once I know I'm stable and I'm okay, I'm going to start helping her or trying to if she lets me.
1: And you have, uh, from what I saw, uh, you set up a GoFundMe account to try to get your living situation in a better spot.
0: Yes, I um, I had tried doing the GoFundMe, but it, it's not working out. I've had two donors, which I'm very thankful for, but we only raised $105 in one week. And then since that week, I, we haven't had a single donor. And I don't think it's working. And I was just thinking about just you know maybe taking it down because I don't think it's gonna work.
1: Well, I would encourage you to not give up hope in that. Your life has been somewhat of uh, of a tragedy, but you have found a lot of hope. You found some new beginnings and hopefully some relationships that uh, once people get their life sorted out and their priorities sorted out, that that you could you know have a, a strong relationship with each other. So I, I would just encourage you to to understand, you know, you've kind of come too far to turn back and uh, keep going and keep, keep nurturing those relationships. Um, honestly, I don't think that if I were in your situation that I would continue to text my mom, you know, every day for six months without a response back. At some point I would just be like, okay, I'm done. But, but you have it and you aren't. And, and that speaks A lot about your character and and your want to to get this relationship and this family put back together. So I, I would encourage you don't give up.
0: I don't plan on ever giving up when something important to me pops up. So like I didn't think I would find her and I did. I didn't think that I would get away from my grandma, but I did. But I'm realizing slowly like everything that got me where I am is myself because I didn't stop. That's what I keep trying to tell some people is like if you just keep going, you'll get there. <laughs> Even if it's like heavy or if it's emotional, you got to go through it because you can't get across the street without walking first.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, Keo, if if our listeners wanted to find you, if they wanted to find your GoFundMe or their TikTok, your TikTok channel, where would they look? Where would they go?
0: Uh, Keo underscore maximum on TikTok, and my GoFundMe would be in the bio. They can also find me on Instagram, the same logo or the same username, I guess. And basically, my GoFundMe is in all of my bios. Can easily find me on Facebook anywhere
1: it's been good to have you with us and and as as sorry as, as i can be for you i am but at the same time it was everything that led up to this moment of where you are today and had those things not happened to you you wouldn't be the person that you are today so i'm proud of you for for sticking it out and hanging in there
0: thank you for having me
1: you're welcome of course, I'm Doc Bryan. You can find me at thedocbryan.com. All of my social media links are at the bottom of my website. And Doc Talks is a part of b Frank Network. You can check out all of our podcasts there at befranknetwork.com. Um, Keo, once again, it was good to have you with us and uh, I wish you the best of luck in, in all that you do.
0: You too. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And we will talk to you soon.